Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. My name is Bobby Charlton, <laughs> and this is the podcast Top Flight Time Machine. If you don't listen to this podcast, like it on iTunes, subscribe, and follow Top Flight Time Machine on Twitter at TF Time Machine. I'm probably going to come round and blind you. All right? All right. Here we go. 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 This is it. This is Top Flight Time Machine. I'm Andy Dawson and he is... I'm Sam Delaney. And this is part two of our odyssey into Roy Keane's book, The Second Half from 2014. We've reached the point where um, it's coming to the end at Manchester United for Roy, isn't it? He's he's had the the Portuguese Villa Algarve thing run in with Carlos Quérez. He's confessed to the fact that he finds it difficult to relax because there's a discipline to relaxation that he can't quite handle. Um, and we're at the point now where he did the the video with MUTV after Middlesbrough beating Manchester United 4-1. There was... Um, we did skip out the incident in the tunnel with Vieira, which he goes through. I mean, obviously, it's quite a big part of that because he's like, you know, they're in the tunnel before Man U Arsenal. And... Uh, I mean, it goes on for pages, so I'll skip through some bits. He goes, um, I've forgotten my captain's armband, so I turned to go back to the dressing room. Go down, lads. I'll be with you in a minute. I've forgotten my armband. I went back past our own players. Albert the kickman had the armband. He was putting it on me. All the best, Roy. As I walked to the front, I heard something going on at the top of the tunnel. All I could see was a few fingers pointing at Gary Neville. <laughs> I lost it. <laughs> No so hesitation. He's got, he's he lost got, it immediately. We've already established that he's got nothing but contempt, thinly veiled contempt for the class of 92 yeah. and their bullshit. But he sees himself as a kind of a father figure to Gary Neville for some reason. He's singled Gary Neville out as, as his, his, his son, if you like, in this psychodrama. So the point that Gary Neville and he loses it. This is, I have to rewind a bit to set the context. Gary Neville had come to see me just after the warm-up. It was an evening kickoff. We'd just come back in the dressing room. Gary told me that some of the Arsenal players had said something to him in the tunnel, that they weren't going to take any nonsense and that they'd be waiting for him. They said there'd be none of the carry-on that had gone on the game at Old Trafford earlier in the season. There'd been a lot of kicking and argy-bargy during that game and afterwards. <laughs> Phil had played kicking. instead of me that day and he'd been running around like a kamikaze pilot, running into everybody. I think Gary was now suffering the consequences of Phil's actions. But I didn't pay much attention to what Gary said. I just said, whatever, Gary. <laughs> I was getting into the zone myself. I was concentrating on my job. Um, so that, that is what had already happened. Uh, the last thing I wanted was for Gary in my ear, to be in my ear hole saying, they've been shouting at me in the tunnel. <laughs> my attitude was, fucking deal with it. You're not 11. <laughs> uh, but he planted a seed in my head, warning me. 
I was always one of the first out. So then he's he's gone back to get his thing. Anyway, we go back to the bit where he's seen the pushing and shoving and the pointing. I lost it. Five seconds earlier, I've been perfectly calm and in the zone, ready for the match. But because of what Gary had said to me, I just went, the fuckers, they are waiting for him. <laughs> oh, in italics. The fuckers, they are waiting for him. I thought they might have booted him out on the pitch, but in the tunnel, I just thought, the fuckers. He's talking about it like it's some kind of surprise oh, yeah. attack, you know, like yeah. when the local gang yeah. jump you. And he's also you go convinced they waited for him to turn back to get his thing, but they were too scared to do he it saw, while he was there. He saw a moment of weakness when he'd gone back for the armband. They were trying to bully Gary. <laughs> they were a big team, and in the tunnel, they were even bigger. It's a very little tunnel. So I said to myself, all right... Let's go. <laughs> I went down there. I'd lost it, but I wasn't zoning out. I wasn't forgetting about the game. I said, we'll see you out there. I just felt they were bullying Gary. I don't think it was intimidation. It was bullying. There's a difference. If Patrick Vieira had come up to me and said, I'm going to have you, that would have been intimidation. It would have been a clash between equal personalities. But there Gary, is. There, yeah, there is. is. There's always there a line. Is, yeah. There's always a line the that end, undermines someone. Gary, there is. Gary was quiet. I think they were going for one of the weaker players in the team. <laughs> there it is again. <laughs> By weak, I don't mean it as it's usually understood. Gary was an established yes, international. <laughs> yes, I do. He had 60 or 70 caps. He played in World Cups. He'd won the Champions League and League titles. But... His personality was wrong for this. If they'd been having a go at Nicky Butt or Wes Brown, I wouldn't have said anything. I'd have walked past them probably whistling. In football, <laughs> intimidation is legitimate, but bullying isn't. I never went looking for a fullback who'd never done anything to me. Does that, it's that's always a, disdainful. That's another thing. Yeah. He's regularly disdainful about fullbacks as I, like being I, less than footballers. I'd look for people who were in my position or were physically important for their team. I'd always thought. They can give it back to me. I never went for a tricky winger or a small fullback. <laughs> I'll see you there out there, again. I there said again. again. the fullbacks. I meant it. I love the game of football. We'd sort it out on the pitch. No hiding places. I'd read something in the match programme about the charity work Patrick supported in Senegal where he'd been born. He'd mentioned how much he loved going back to Senegal. I said, if you love Senegal so much, why don't you fucking play for them? <laughs> I think he said something smart to me about Ireland and the World Cup. It was grown men bitching. The referee, Graham Paul, said, uh, was good. He said, just leave it, just leave it. I fucking am, I said. Just I let us out. That. Just let us out. What was important, it let didn't interfere out. with my performance. <laughs> let us out. Cage tiger. Uh, fucking hell. It might have thrown them more than us. We went out and played like Brazil and we won the game 4-2. The tunnel incident was all part of the TV drama. It became entertainment, although I wasn't aware of the cameras. I was there to do a job. Win the game, get in and get out. <laughs> it was a bit like the build-up to a boxing match. Yeah. Anyway, that's his thing. He basically used his whole thing not to have a go at Patrick Vieira, but to have a go at Gary, Gary Neville, Neville yeah. for being weak and, and getting embroiled in a situation that he and, couldn't handle. And all full-backs. Yeah. Being less than football. got fucking fallback. What's the point of a fucking fullback? Yeah, if someone's going down the wing and you're a fucking midfielder, run over there and do it yourself. <laughs> Don't rely on some wee puffter. <laughs> fucking fall back. You don't... I've said this for years. Uh, I've said it to a blue in the face. You don't need 11 men in a fucking football team. <laughs> you need fucking 11 men for unless you're a fucking baby. You need eight. Nine's enough. You need eight maximum. <laughs> 
get rid of the full backs and one of the other midfielders. I'll take care of it all myself. I'll tell my own, you're going to be fucking lazy if you need a friend. What's he, you fucking bum chum? <laughs> what are you going to do, fucking hold hands in the midfield? Do it yourself, you lazy fucker. One midfielder, no full backs. <laughs> Proper football. <laughs> That's how we used to do it back in Ireland. <laughs> <laughs> so he goes on and he does the um, he does the MUTV interview where he basically castigates his entire teammates um, and he gets called in um, and he, he he insists on the video being shown in front of all of his teammates and none of them have got a problem with it mm. he says uh, before this he goes at the back of my mind part of me was thinking what did I say in the video I might have said something pretty bad for them to pull it and even now, today, people still say, this video had to be destroyed. This video had to be destroyed. Like it was a nuclear weapon or something. Did someone drive out to the countryside and bury it into fucking ground? <laughs> or did a bomb disposal unit come and explode it? It had to be destroyed. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it was destroyed, but yeah, they they made... Um, they made him watch it with uh, all the squad and he asked all the players if any of them had a problem with anything he'd said about them and they are all like, no, 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 Roy, no, that's all good. <laughs> no, nothing at all. Edward van der Sar piped up and said something like, um, well, you, you weren't very fair about something or other and I think Kane just went, you can fuck off, you're new! <laughs> 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 Anyone else? Anyone who's not Edwin? Got a problem with it? <laughs> Yeah, of course the Dutch fucking the six foot six Dutchman's gonna fucking say something. So um, that was kind of it, and then a couple of weeks later he was due to play in a reserve match because he he was recovering from a broken foot at the time. He was supposed to play in a, a reserve match, and he got pulled from that. And then um, it all kind of came to a head, and he had a meeting with his lawyer. Uh, got called into Ferguson's office, and they just kind of said, um, pretty much that's it. We're gonna tear up your contract. And they showed him a statement they'd prepared already, which they were going to put out. So it was already premeditated. There was there was no negotiation. It was like, this is it. You're finished. And the statement said, um, we'd like to thank Roy for his 11 and a half years at the club. And Kane says, but I'd been there 12 and a half years. Now, his biggest mistake was that he told them, he says, I went, you got 11 and a half years there. The two of them, Ferguson and David Gill, were looking at each other. And I said, I've been here 12 and a half Oh, it was it 12 and a half, Roy? Oh, I wasn't sure. Was it 93 you came in? I can't remember. Yeah, I said, first year we won the double. Mm-hmm. And David Gill said, oh, right, we'll fix that. Keane should have just left that. He should have spotted that they'd got that wrong and he should have let them put it out. What, and then been able to respond and then, to it? Well, yeah, exactly. And then there would have been a furore. They would have gone, oh, they've, they've got rid of Keane. They don't even know how many years he's been there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unless... They did put that. They showed him that statement that said eleven and a half years, just to fuck him off a little just bit more. Just to show that they didn't yeah. really take him seriously. Yeah. They, there was two statements. There was an eleven and a half years and a twelve and a half years one. The twelve and a half years was the official one. The eleven and a half years was the one designed to get under his skin. I mean, you know, United did the right thing when you've gone, but as ballistic <clears throat> as he did, then you know they had no option really. You got you got to bomb a player out. I mean, I suppose... We no one's seen the video, though, have we? No one knows what he said. No, but it wasn't that. I don't think it was the video. The video just was in just... in general. The video, it was It was after the video. He, he went mantle at 
the manager in front of the whole squad. And yeah. For, and, espe- and for any manager, that's a problem. But if you're fucking Ferguson and you run the club the way that you, di- that you do, you know, yeah. it's a cult of personality. Yeah. You cannot have anyone do that in front of your whole squad without there being dire consequences for them. So if it had been a younger player who they'd just spent a lot of money on, they might have done something else. But if Roy Keane, who they know is coming to the end of his career anyway, you just have to make a statement and say, you're out. Yeah. No one talks to the manager like that, you're out. It was it was to do with the Rock of Gibraltar thing as well, wasn't it? Oh, there'd been a syndicate on a horse yeah. and they, they, they'd, they'd got one sixteenth of it. They'd all put some money in and they got one sixteenth and he was pissed off about that. But the Rock of Gibraltar thing with... with uh, McManus and Magnier. Yeah, there's a there's a bit in the book where Kane says he got a call from a friend in Ireland and asked him to pass on a message to Ferguson to say you won't win this. Fucking hell! So he was bombed out. But uh, one of the things that disappointed him the most was that his club car was going to have to be returned. Oh yeah, his Audi A8. Um, but he got an extra three months out of it before he actually had to give it back once the paperwork had all been sorted out for his his departure from United. He says, um, when the paperwork had finally been sorted and I'd given back the car, this was three months after the last meeting, so I got an extra three months out of it, I drove some fucking miles in that car. (laughs) Every little victory is vital. (laughs) So he'd spent three months. He's obviously, you know, he'd signed for Celtic after that in the January. This was November in the January he signed for Celtic. So perhaps he'd been driving up and down to Glasgow from Manchester in the car. But doing a scenic route, maybe going across like the Newcastle and like, through Northumberland. Some and nights I just, some nights I just go down to Asda's car park and I just do donuts for three hours. <laughs> round and round and round and round and round and round. I didn't give a fuck. I'd listen to an audio book while I was doing it. <laughs> <laughs> I drive around. On my days off, I just drive. I get out of the house and I drive. I didn't even know where I was going. All I knew is that I had to get somewhere as far away as I could. Get the miles on the clock of the Audi A8. Just fucking drive the fucking thing into the ground. I'd drive until I was so tired I couldn't drive no more. I'd pull over and I'd sleep. Then I'd wake up and I'd drive again. Another eight hours. One night I ended up in Belgium. I had no idea how I got there. Jalapeño. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Jalapeño. We skipped the bit where he has a, a pop-up queer us about loyalty, which I've mentioned on a previous podcast. He's going, um, you know... Uh, Carlos turned around and said you've not shown any loyalty to your teammates I said don't you talk to me about loyalty don't you fucking talk to me about loyalty Carlos you left this club after 12 months a few years ago for the Real Madrid job don't you dare 
question my loyalty. I had opportunities to go to Juventus and to Bayern Munich. So don't you question me about loyalty. And while we're at it, <laughs> we spoke about training downstairs and we were just on about mixing things up a bit. And he said, no, Roy, we need repetition. That's what we need, repetition. And I said, Carlos, do you always make love to your wife in the same position? <laughs> oh, God. And I think he went, where is this going? I said, <laughs> you change the position, don't you, Carlos? Sometimes you have to I'll mix... I've been tra- watching you. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes you have to mix training up a little bit. That's all I'm saying. That's coming from other players. It's not a personal thing. That villa you were in. He I write, got some. I got some spy cameras put in. He writes. I've been watching you, Carlos. I haven't a clue why I said that, and I still don't. <laughs> <laughs> but again, he'd lost it at that point. Again, I really respect him for putting all this down in yeah. the book because. Yeah. You don't see that in most memoirs, let alone footballer memoirs. Because what he's saying there is, I lost. We all sometimes can lose our mind and say fucking mad things, and you almost feel that you're like you've lost control of your brain, right? And it's really regrettable. But Roy Keane could have knocked this book out, given out a few bits, the inside story, this, that, and the other. Like one of Rooney's ten his books. Check. Yeah, exactly. But Roy Keane has actually decided to revisit some something that's probably haunted him his whole life. Because he goes on to say that he thinks that was the crucial part where he starts talking about his wife, yeah. right? Yeah. Where Ferguson thought that goes way beyond. He's crossed the line yeah. by a distance and we have to get him out of the club because that He's is toxic. disrespectful, right? <laughs> And he knows that. And he goes, that was the line. I think that was the line that it was like, well, there's no turning back now. And he's, so it's, it's, he's carried it around with him ever since. He didn't have to write that down in the book. No one knows about it. He said, this is what I said. I don't know why I said it. And I still don't know. Yeah. It's but a, there it is. Yeah, exactly. But there, there it is. And that's why this is a great book. Because yeah. he, he fucking tells you everything. That's why he's a great man. Yeah. And was the, one of the greatest footballers ever. We love him and respect him. Please don't come after us, Roy. Please don't come after us. So he has a little bit of time off and he ends up signing for Celtic, but he's not allowed to sign for them till the January transfer window. It's a bit shitty because United say they've tore his contract up and that he can he can sign for anybody kind of tomorrow if he wants to, but then mm. it turns out that he can't. He's not allowed to sign for anyone till till the, the following January, a couple of months later. And his um this this turns out to be his final season because his hip is absolutely fucked. Mm. He's had um he's had surgery done on his hip um, there was, the surgeon said it looked like carpet underlay cartilage coming away from his hip and he says it showed me it and it did it looked like carpet underlay <laughs> <laughs> so he goes to, he, has, he has options Real Madrid come in for him um, Everton want to sign him but he ends up going to Celtic uh, basically he goes to Celtic out of spite because he says in the book when a club is interested in you the manager generally sells it to you listen we'd love to have you here but I met Gordon Strachan, the Celtic manager in London. I met him in the majority shareholder Dermot Desmond's house. And Gordon told me, I'm not really too worried if you sign for us or not. We're okay without you. <laughs> <laughs> so I said to myself, fuck him, I'm signing. <laughs> <laughs> Strachan's done a job on him. They both come out of that really well. Strachan taking one look at Keane and went, I know you. I fucking know you. I'm inside of you. <laughs> I know just what like Carlos Cuerras and his wife. I, I need. I know just what I need to do to bend you to my will. And he did. It's all about mind games with you, isn't it, Roy? Fuck <laughs> him! I'm signing. 
Fuck I'm, you, Strachan. I'm really you not. You prick. I'll sign for you. How'd you like that? There you go. I'll Signed. Do I'll do it for no money. Yeah. I'll, I'll fucking pay you. I'll pay you, you cunt. Right, where's the ball? Where's the pitch? Come on, let's do this now. Oh, we haven't got a game for a couple of weeks. I don't give a fuck. We're going out playing now. Me, me versus you. Come on. You think you can take my belt? Let's fucking see you take them. Make some phone calls. Get a crowd in. <laughs> and then he goes on and he says, I think it was one of the reasons I signed for them to prove Gordon wrong. <laughs> to be fair to Gordon, they were doing well in the league and he already had Neil Lennon playing in my position and still Ian Petrov. Two midfielders together there. Holding hands. Disgusting. Lennon and Petrov. I didn't hear that kind of thing in Glasgow. Feels more like a Manchester thing. <laughs> uh, so I, was, I wasn't I was sitting back shocked going, show me the love. I thought, all right, that's the game. He was letting me know they weren't desperate for me. He was being a bit coy and I was fine with that. But there was a bit of defiance there too. Like, you might be 15 points clear, but if I join, you might go 20 points clear. You might even need me next year in Europe. <laughs> so he does sign for Celtic. Uh, like we said, out of spite. And it's a very different culture than what he's been used to at Manchester United. He says, my first game was against Clyde away in the third round of the Scottish Cup. We were beaten 2-1. It was a nightmare. I wasn't happy with my own game. I did okay, but okay wasn't enough. After the game, the disappointment. As I was taking my jersey off, I noticed the night tag was still on it. <gasps> he's played a match with a night tag. Price hell. tag still on his shirt. What the fuck is this? <laughs> How much is this? I didn't know people had to pay for these things. 40 quid for a fucking t-shirt. <laughs> what do you fucking need one for anyway? Go out bare-chested like a man. What are you worried about? The fucking rain getting on you? Get some paint and just paint the stripes onto oh, me. Oh, are you worried you're going to get a wee bit chilly? You big fucking girl's brows. <laughs> and then he says, when I got on the bus, John Hartson, a really good guy, was already sitting there and he was eating a packet of crisps with a fizzy drink. <laughs> Lovely. I said to myself, welcome to hell. <laughs> and when he says, I said to myself, he doesn't mean that rhetorically. He, he actually looked at John Hartson, a man who he says, I think he's the only man who he describes in the entire book positively. <laughs> yeah. He looked at it and said out loud, welcome to hell. <laughs> Fucking... Hartson's got a mouthful of McCoys at this stage. Sorry, what, what's what's that, Roy? Oh, nothing. Don't worry about it, John. You're a good man. <laughs> I'll put it in my book. <laughs> You'll read about this in years to come. And then uh, go just remember, though, I think you're a good man, but I think you're deeply troubled. <laughs> you're what? a flawed man. You're a flawed man. You're a good man, but... You're sitting there, you're a sportsman, you're an athlete, yeah. and you're sitting there with a packet of McCoys, salt and vinegar, and you've also got yourself some fizzy pop. Look at yourself, John. You're a good man, you've got a good heart, but you're stupid. You're thick, you're not using your brain, you barely got one. You're a good man, John. I've always said that. Me and you, we go back a long way. We've played <laughs> against each other many, many times. And I've always respected you. And I've always trusted you to do the right thing as a footballer and a sportsman and an athlete. But look at you. You fucking moron. You're sitting there on the bus. Look at yourself in the reflection in the window of this bus. Look. Look at what you've become. You've got, cr state of you. you've got some crumbs all around your mouth. <laughs> you've got a, a bottle of, what is it, Panda Pops? You've got some Panda Pops. You're drinking cherry, you cherry flavour. You fucking shit. You look like a fucking 
shambles. You've still got the Nike tag on the shirt. You've got panda pops all down there. You've got the crisps. You're a disgrace. <laughs> you deserve to be in a jail. <laughs> if I had the if I had the wherewithal and the rights, if I was the Bobby Charlton and I had the keys to all the jails in Britain, I would be taking control of this bus now, John Hartson, and I'd be driving you off to the nearest jail and I'd be locking you up in a cell in solitary for a, a month. Never mind a fucking jail. It's a fucking mental asylum you need. You, I'd stick you in fucking Broadmoor with fucking Suckcliffe and all the other freaks. Let let a fucking professional get involved in your fucking <laughs> noggin. See what the fuck's going on in there because I tell you this, I don't fucking know. You risk yourself and the public. We've just lost 2-1 at Clyde and you're <laughs> sitting there like you're having a little birthday party with yourself. You probably got a little wee stiffy, have you? Yeah. Let's have a look. Come on. Oh, sorry, I didn't Get know it, it was your birthday. I'd have bought you a fucking present. Here you go. I got you a fucking Lego Millennium Falcon. <laughs> and I threw the Lego in his face. <laughs> <laughs> and then I sat on that coach and I watched over him as I made him assemble the entire Millennium Falcon. 418 pieces of fucking Lego and we got there back to back home and I didn't let him off the coach and we stayed on the coach all night while he finished it we got back to Celtic Park at 6.13 in the morning and we'd only come from Clyde it was a two mile drive I made the driver drive round and round in circles until the Lego was finished I said I know some good routes where you could just go round and round in a vehicle non-stop for many many hours and not actually get anywhere I made all the other lads as well Petrov, Lennon, all those fuckers. I made them sing him Happy Birthday to Jan over and over again. For eight hours. Those fuckers must have sung Happy Birthday to Jan Hartson about 400 times in one night. <laughs> Some of them were crying by the end, but I'd made my point. This is it! So, um, and it gets to the end of the season, well, the half a season that he has a Celtic, and he's... He has the summer off and he just realises that the hip isn't getting any better and pretty much that's it. He says, my hip's playing up and, you know, I'm going to have to call it a day. He says this to Gordon Strachan. He says, I'm not coming back. And Gordon went, all right, yeah, okay. Yeah, it's for the best. <laughs> Again, Strachan with the fucking reverse psychology. And I was saying to myself, try and persuade me for fuck's sake, at least pretend. <laughs> <laughs> but no, Strachan was inside his head. Strachan was inside him. This is it. So that's the end of um, the Celtic era. Um, there's a nice little bit as well. He says um, he's, he's talking about you know being a player and mm. the the sacrifices that you have to make and how you've just got to be completely and utterly dedicated to to being a footballer. He says when I was 13 or 14, Eric Hogan, a decent lad, he still plays for the over 35s in Cork. He wouldn't go training one night because he got a new skateboard. I fell out with him. We didn't speak for a year because he wouldn't go training. <laughs> I always had that drive. Sticky skateboard. As I matured and the situations got bigger, I'd think back to the skateboard. Stick your fucking skateboard. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like, you know, in uh, Citizen Kane. Rosebud. Rosebud. <laughs> the skateboard is Roy Kane's rosebud. Of all the things that Roy Kane is obsessed by and angered by and bitter about, I'm passionate about. I wonder what his final words on his deathbed will be. What do you think it's going to be? What's he going to say? Stick your fucking skateboard. (laughs) 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 Um, I think that's probably a good point to leave this episode because... Mm. 
we've got at the end of his playing career, and in the next one we'll cover his it's managerial career at Sunderland and Ipswich. E- equally as eventful. <laughs> it's for different kinds of reasons. Yeah. He's a great man. He is. We, we reiterate that. If you're listening, Roy, you're a great man. We love you and respect you very much. Please don't come after us. Just, just remember, stick your fucking skateboard. Yeah, if you find yourselves between now and the next episode um, in a situation where you need to make a big life decision, just look at yourself in the mirror or the window of a bus if you happen to be on a bus and just say to yourself stick your fucking skateboard yeah and then as you as you stuff your face with a packet of McCoys and a can <laughs> of Panda Pop just take a look at yourself and just do what you were going to do anyway. just do the easiest thing don't mm. be like Roy alright we'll be back with the next episode of this Roy Kane Odyssey very shortly thanks for listening and don't forget to follow us on Twitter at TF Time Machine and you know subscribe to this podcast if you don't already and leave nice comments for us on iTunes and tell your friends and uh, stick your fucking skateboard. Stick it. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.